This program is brought to you by SoundsTrue.com. At SoundsTrue.com, you can find hundreds of downloadable audio learning programs, plus books, music, videos, and online courses and events. At SoundsTrue.com, we think of ourselves as a trusted partner on the spiritual journey, offering diverse, in-depth, and life-changing wisdom. SoundsTrue.com. Many voices, one journey. You're listening to Insights at the Edge. Today, my guest is Lauren Walker. Lauren Walker is a teaching assistant for Donna Eden and a certified energy medicine practitioner. She created and ran the yoga program at Norwich University for four years and now teaches energy medicine yoga internationally. She's been featured in Yoga Journal, The New York Times, and more. With Sounds True, Lauren has written a new book called The Energy Medicine Yoga Prescription, in which she helps readers uncover the root causes of specific physical, emotional, and psychological health challenges, along with offering a treasury of potent self-care practices to accelerate healing. In this episode of Insights at the Edge, Lauren and I spoke about how energy flows in the body in a healthy way, moving forward and crossing from one side of the body to the other, and how we can make sure our energy is moving in this way by practicing what she calls the wake-up, a five-minute essential energy medicine yoga practice that Lauren takes us through. We also talked about specific energy medicine yoga practices for insomnia, digestive challenges, and how to listen to the body when we feel any type of pain. Lauren taught us how to listen to a meridian pulse and also a specific energy medicine yoga practice for developing self-acceptance and kindness towards our body. Finally, we talked about using energy medicine yoga to reclaim pleasure and connect with the living earth. Here's my conversation with Lauren Walker. Lauren, to begin with, can you share with our listeners how you first came to combine yoga practices with energy medicine practices? How you first discovered that combination? Yeah, so I was actually taking a break from my yoga teaching and um, was introduced to Donna Eden's work. She's the creator of um, Eden Energy Medicine. And I started to practice her work, and I was going through some quite challenging times in my life. I had just lost my yoga studio and um, ended up moving out of the country um, up to Canada and was feeling really ungrounded and uncertain about my future and really grieving a lot of loss. And I started practicing energy medicine and found it to be really powerful and helpful and supportive of the challenges that I was undergoing at the time. And specifically, um, working with some grieving um, that I was going through, and a lot of the techniques in Donna's work require 
doing long holds of different points on the body. And so I would be doing these holds and waiting for the response of the body to kick in. And I thought, well, why don't I do some deep yin stretches at the same time, kind of maximize my time. And so I started to do these practices together just to really kind of be more um, economical really with my time. And what I discovered was that both of the practices, the results became stronger and more vibrant when I wove them together. And so I kept doing this on my own for several years. And when I moved back to the States in 09, I started teaching at um, a military university in Vermont. And these students were going off to uh, essentially theaters of war all over the world. And I wanted to give them tools to help them stay in their center, stay balanced, stay whole. And so I started to introduce some of the techniques that I had been practicing. And then even more, uh, I started to add more and more energy medicine techniques into the yoga classes. And the results were really incredible. And we started to document them. We did a couple of studies at the university with the, some of my more advanced students. And it was just remarkable what was going on. And I codified it, put it all together, wrote it down, and I showed it to Donna. And she was really blown away with what was what was happening. And um, then I showed it to you guys, and, and here we are. And that became your first book, Energy Medicine Yoga, Amplify the Healing Power of Your Yoga Practice. Now, you, you mentioned something interesting about grieving and holding a point for a long period of time that has been acknowledged to be helpful when you're grieving. What point was that that you were holding on the body? So the main uh, the main point that I was holding at that time is the they're called the frontal neurovascular points, and they're the points on the forehead. If you were kind of taking a child's temperature and you laid your hand across the forehead, um, you'd be covering those points. And what that does is it keeps the blood in the forebrain, and when you're going through any kind of grieving process, you can tend to go into a fight or flight response and holding those points keeps you from going into that response. It's actually um, one of the techniques used to help um, mitigate uh, PTSD, which is also sort of a continuous loop of emotion that then triggers a physiological response in the body. And so I would hold these points and on the very top of the head as well, are points for releasing grief from the body. So I'd hold that set of points together. And I mean, I'd literally be face down in the grass, sobbing, snotting, just, you know, uh, in absolute uh, misery. And I would hold these points and that response would calm and soften and calm and soften. And every time that grief would come up, I would hold those points again. And depending on what it is that you're dealing with and, and working with, it it takes, you know, the amount of time that your body takes to digest and release that. But eventually what happens is you can think about the experience that you're going through and it doesn't any longer trigger that flush of chemicals through the body that throws you back into that response. So then it just becomes a part of your story. It doesn't trigger you into a full meltdown. So I would hold those points quite a lot. And when you combined a yoga posture with those points, what 
yoga posture or postures were you working with to help release grief along with holding those points? So there's a couple of different things that I would do. Um, sometimes I would do a reclining pigeon pose. So I'd have one leg uh, knee bent in front and uh, the other leg extended long behind my body. So sort of a hip opening pose. Often I would do just a prostration. I literally would be face down. Um, and for me, I, I prefer to do this on the bare earth. So I wouldn't even be on my yoga mat. I'd just be in the grass somewhere um, face down in the dirt with my head on my hands. And, um, and often I would do another pose, um, which is called downward facing triple diamond. So my knees are bent to the outside soles of the feet together. And then that same position with my hands so that it was, um, a, a real just release down into the earth, which I, which I find is the best way if you're, if you're really grieving because the earth has this energetic, um, frequency, if you will, or this power to, to really hold you. I mean, that's what it does, right? The earth holds us. But if we surrender, especially in a prostration, in a grieving posture, and, uh, and just admit that we need help, we need support, we cannot get through this ourselves, and we give ourselves over to that, um, it's, it's deeply healing. So by going into this example, we're giving our listeners a sense of what energy medicine yoga is like this combination of energy medicine holding a point in the body or tapping a point and also a yoga posture put together. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, I wonder how someone who's a traditional yoga teacher might feel. Might they say something like, you know, isn't yoga enough? I mean, the yogis thousands of years ago knew what they were doing. We don't need to add anything to the practice. What would you say to that? Mm-hmm. You know, I would say yes, and, um, which is kind of a, a, a large premise in, in this second book, it's both and. I do agree that the yoga practice itself is quite powerful. I mean, obviously, right, 5,000 years of, of tradition and practice, and um, but at the same time, there's been a lot of changes in how yoga is taught in this country, and a lot of the deeper, um, the deeper techniques and the more advanced techniques have been lost. Yoga has, um, really kind of become a, a very physical practice, almost exclusively a physical practice. And even these advanced techniques that a, a lot of, you know, teachers learn and some of us do teach, they can be kind of esoteric, especially for beginners. And, I find that that almost creates a separation, which is the very opposite of what you're trying to find in yoga. Um, but some of these techniques are so fine and so specific and so advanced that they're really not accessible or available to somebody that's maybe just going to yoga once or twice a week. And these energy medicine practices are so accessible. They are easy and they are um, are so powerful and it, it it just continues to to blow my mind really about the results that I see in people that really they don't even believe in energy right which is you know one of those odd things to me but they they don't understand it they don't know what it is and they think it's all just woo-woo and then they do these practices and they're amazed at what's going on and so for me and I think we spoke about this in our first interview together 
for me, I'm interested in results. I want something that's going to work for me and work for my students and work on a large scale. And these techniques really, really do that. And so it's not that these aren't yoga per se, because yoga is an energetic practice. It's just another expression of the practice that hasn't really been illuminated more than something entirely new and different, even though it may seem like that. Mm -hmm. That's very helpful. It's almost like what you're saying is that these energy medicine approaches might be embedded in the depth of yoga, but not easy to find. And you've brought them out into a higher relief. Is that correct? I think so. I think for some of them, for some of them, for sure, they're not in the yoga tradition. But um, but a lot of things, you know, have also been lost over the millennium. So it's hard to know, you know, what what really was practiced thousands mm-hmm. of years sure. ago. Sure. And, you know, I just trust Donna so much. And I've seen the results of her work outside of the yoga practice. And then I've seen the power when they're married to a yoga practice. And so for me now, that is that is yoga. And if if people are, you know, concerned that this isn't traditional yoga, I mean, you know what's going on in the yoga world. There's goat yoga and naked yoga and hula hooping yoga. <laughs> I mean, so it's really what what works for you? What is it that's going to push you along your path, whatever path that's on, whether it's a spiritual path or a healing path or whatever it is that you're trying to achieve? That is your yoga. It's It's very unique to the individual. And so I'm not going to say this is yoga or that is not yoga. I think that's almost um, uh, more detrimental Mm -hmm. to. Very good. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd never heard of goat yoga, so that's interesting. Thank you. (laughs) Now, at the beginning of your new book, The Energy Medicine Yoga Prescription, you write about how energy follows certain rules, and you list out five rules. And I wanted to talk about particularly rule number four and five, so we'll get there quickly. Rule one, you say energy wants to move. Okay. Rule two, energy needs space to move. Okay. Rule three, energy follows particular patterns in the body. Okay, I think most people are familiar with the meridians of the body and that energy flows and circulates. I think people are with us. But now we get to number four, which I thought, huh, Number four, the two most important energy patterns are moving forward and crossing from one side of the body to the other. And I thought, that's really interesting. How do we know that, that those are the two most important energy patterns? Well, I I guess we would say you know that from when they aren't working that way. So if your energy is not moving forward and not crossing over, and there's ways to test that, which I do write about in the book as well. So you can find out if your energy is moving forward or crossing over. But if they're not doing that, you know, you, you see that in what's going on in your body and in your life. So you'll be tired or you'll be sick and you can't get healthy again. You'll be depressed and you don't, maybe there isn't even a reason, but you can't get out of your own way. And those things happen if your energy is moving backward. And it's very easy to do um, a simple energy test to see 
how that how that's working in the body you basically you walk forward and if you stay strong then your energy is moving forward but if you walk forward and i energy test you and you test weak that means your energy is moving backward and so what that means is you're in essence rowing against the current of your own life you're trying to go one direction but your energy is going in another direction and that happens for reasons. You know, at the end of the day, you start to get tired. Your energy starts to separate from that crossover pattern and start to move backwards so that you will go to sleep. Um, and interestingly enough, the only times that you don't correct that is in the first trimester of pregnancy for a woman because you want the, the woman to rest. You don't want to uh, make that energy uh reawaken it if it's telling you it's time to go take a nap right now because the reason the body is tired is because it's growing another body within it and so you want that to to speak to you and okay I'm going to go take a rest now instead of if you're driving your car and you start to get tired not maybe a good time to to fall asleep so you want your energies to be moving forward so you you see it from what you're not achieving in, in your life, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Let's say someone's listening right now and they're not sure if their energy is moving forward or if it's crossing from one side of the body to the other. How could they assess that? Could they? So it's a little, you'd have to learn how to energy test, which again is in the book, but that is not something that you'll just sort of get right away. What I say to people is, start to do the wake up technique, which gets your energy moving forward and crossing over. And you'll notice when you do that technique, if it's kind of confusing for you to do, especially that crossover pattern, then likely your energies aren't crossing over. And so it doesn't feel comfortable to do it because your body is used to not doing it. And so that feels comfortable. It's like when we're out of balance, we don't always know we're out of balance and we can feel comfortable in that out of balance-ness. And then when we start to come back into balance, that feels odd. You know, if you've ever gotten maybe a chiropractic adjustment, you get off the table and you're like, wow, that feels really weird. I feel like I'm crooked when in fact that's now straight because you're so used to being crooked that that is what feels home for you. So that would be a way without, you know, going to an energy practitioner and getting yourself tested or, you know, finding a friend and doing those tests to just see if it feels awkward, then chances are your, your energies aren't. But I'll also say this, most of us, our energies are not moving forward and crossing over. And so I would generally say everybody needs to do that work of getting the energies forward and crossing over. Okay, let's do the wake up then, Lauren. Can we do it together? You call this the essential energy medicine yoga practice. And I have a sense that perhaps my energy is not crossing over the way that I would like or moving forward. And I imagine the same may be true for our listeners. So can we do the wake up together right here at the beginning of our conversation? Absolutely, we can. So um, what you'll do is you're going to breathe in the nose and out the mouth throughout this whole little section here. And so that's kind of the, the baseline of starting the wake up. And then you're going to find your collarbones and you're going to go to the, the bony tips that are protruding and you're going to drop down just about an inch and your fingertips will drop into a bit of a hollow. And if you press that deeply, it may feel sore. 
Do you feel those points that I'm talking about? I'm with you. Yeah. And if they're sore, that means right there that you need this, that you need to get the energy woken up. And so what you're going to do right there is you're going to tap or you're going to thump with some vigor. Like you're trying to like knock on a door. You're just, or Tarzan, like really bang on the chest at the same time that you're going to breathe in the nose and out the mouth. And this is basically the on button of the body. This is like the first thing to do when you get out of bed in the morning or that three o'clock slump before you go get the double cappuccino. Do this first and see if you even still want it because what this is doing is exactly what we're talking about. It's waking the energy up and it's moving it forward. So you'll thump there for a little bit. And if you're really tired, you might need to thump there for a while to get that energy awake. And you'll start to know as you do this every day, how much you need to do it to wake up. If you've had a really long night, you may need to tap or thump here for a while. And then we're going to go right into the center of the chest over the thymus gland. This is the second point on the, the four thumbs and that jump starts your immune system. So if you're not sure where these points are, you can just bang with your fists all over your chest, just like Tarzan, just like the apes do to wake themselves up and prepare for battle or prepare for the day. And then you're going to go underneath your breast to the low rib cage and you're going to tap or thump all over that area. And these are spleen points and those help to integrate and digest all your experiences, all your food, everything that you take into your body, the conversation that we're having right now. And again, you're still going to do that same breathing pattern in the nose and out the mouth. And then we want to ground the energy so that you can actually utilize it and not feel like you're just floating around. And so you're just going to tap right underneath your eyeball on the cheekbone. And you'll do a little bit of a lighter tap there and the same breath pattern in the nose and out the mouth. And then I like to shake my hands off, right? Because your hands are electromagnetic. So every time you're touching or moving anything, you start to, to, uh, magnetize that energy to you so you can shake that off and then we're going to get the energy crossing over so I'm sitting in a chair and I'm going to do it sitting down you can do it standing up you can do it lying down in bed you can visualize it if you if you're unable to move at all if you've got any kind of um, disease pattern or you're paralyzed and you can't move you can visualize this and the energy will still move and so you're going to start off tapping your same hand to your thigh. And so you can lift your leg up to meet your hand or you can just leave your legs down and, um, and tap your thigh with the same hand. We'll do that about 10 times and that same breath in the nose and out the mouth. And then you'll stop and you'll dust your hands off and then you'll cross over. So the right hand to the left thigh and the left hand to the right thigh. And this is often when I see, if I'm teaching a big class and we're standing up and we're doing this, I'll see people start to hesitate, like, wait, is that right to left? Or they'll start to do the same leg. And that to me is an indication that the energies aren't naturally crossing over in the body. And so it doesn't feel normal or natural to do that crossover pattern. And if that's the case with you, you might go back and do that same whole little pattern again, same hand to leg, 
and then cross that over. And if you are working with any kind of disease pattern in your body, you want to do that whole little crossover thing two or three times at a time and three or four or five times during the day. Because that habitual pattern of not being crossed over, which is called homolateral, is really set in the body. And so you have to do the work of getting the energy to cross over. And we'll just shake the hands off. And then we'll just do the last two pieces of the wake up. Bring your hands right to the low body, right in front of the pubic bone. And you can either touch your body or be slightly off in front of your body. And you can um, make an affirmation here if you want. Uh, maybe something that is, if you're starting your practice or starting your day, something that you want to uh, to be good or happy or joyful in your day or healthy. And you'll inhale and you'll draw your hands right up the front of your body to your mouth. And exhale, just shake your hands off. And we'll do that two more times. Inhale, draw the energy up. Exhale, release one last time. And then the last thing, we just want to set this whole thing into the body. So you're going to put one finger, I like to use my middle finger, in the belly button. And one finger right between your eyebrows and your third eye. And you'll press in and pull slightly up. And you'll do three breaths in the nose and out the mouth. And then just release and shake your hands off. And there it is. That's the wake up. Wow. That took us less than five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can do it really quickly. You can do the whole thing in a minute or two. Which brings me to maybe what's kind of a strange question. Just doing that now and also since I've been exposed to other energy medicine yoga techniques that you've taught, I've seen that they're wildly effective, and yet I don't really use them. And I bet other people are in that situation where they've been exposed, they have a powerful experience, but then it just doesn't become part of our daily vocabulary somehow, our daily way of being, unless we get sick. And then it's like, oh, I have to do that. And I'm curious why you think that is. I think you you nailed it right there when you said, unless we get sick. Um, and that's, I have a little section in this book called To Change, You Have to Change. You know, we're just creatures of habit and we do what we do. And especially, you know, those of us that are into this kind of work and all of these listeners right now, you know, we're exposed to so many um, different modalities and teachings and they fire us up and then it's like, well, but my life is fine. It's okay. Everything's just going along. And so I don't really have a need to change anything. It's when you have a need to change something that you are going to really gravitate towards doing these practices more consistently. If everything's going great in your life right now and you're happy and you're joyful and you're healthy and you love your life and you love your work and you have great relationships, then maybe you don't need anything new in your life. But if any of those things are not optimal right now for you, that's when you're going to start to do these more consistently. And I find that especially, you know, people that come and take a training with me, of course, they're taking this training so that they can go and teach this workout into the world, but they also have those same challenges. And if you start to, um, 
put these in different ways of your life. I have one student, she's like, I just don't have the time. But then I started doing the wake up in the shower. And now I cannot go through my day without doing it. If you start to do just the wake up every day for give yourself a a chunk of time Um, in the book, I suggest 30 days, but you can even go shorter than that, 10 or 11 days and, and start to actually write down if you notice anything different in your life that's when you're going to start to use this more consistently. Oh my God, everything's changing now. This is shifting. That is shifting. Then you're going to do it more consistently. But if you don't need something just because you hear it's good for you, or you felt it one time was good for you, you may not, you know, continue to use it, but you will know it's there when you need it. And that's really key as well. Mm-hmm. Now, I pulled out an interesting quote from your new book, The Energy Medicine Yoga Prescription, and here's the quote. Nothing in your body should hurt. If it does, that is your body trying to send you a signal. And I thought that was really interesting because I think a lot of us get used to certain things in our body hurting, like, oh, that's my old hip, it always hurts, or you know, oh, I often get headaches or something like that, no big deal, that's, you know, I get headaches, they come, they go away. And yet it seemed that you were saying, no, your body's asking you to pay attention in a certain kind of way if there's a part of your body that hurts. And so I wonder if you could speak to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. We do get complacent and just accepting and our bodies are so resilient and we just think, oh, that's just my body. That's my trick knee. Or um, I, I also get headaches a lot. So I think, oh, that's just me getting a headache again. But the truth is that's not we don't have to have that be our baseline experience. And when the body is talking to you and one of the languages of the body is pain, it's giving you information. And um, my mom said this, I gave her one of these um, kind of alternative books, I think it was on nutrition to read, and uh, it was about headaches, and she thought, how interesting, having a headache doesn't mean I have a deficiency in aspirin, right? And it was just a, a, a like a wake up to her, like, of course, your body's not saying I need aspirin, it's saying there's something out of balance, And you can just take aspirin, and we are a culture that likes to just have a quick fix for whatever's going wrong. Or you can look a little bit deeper and see, well, what is going on? What is causing this? What is continuing this pattern of dis or unease in the body? And and do something about it, because that's just your body talking to you. And it's like some, if you know, a friend of yours says, Hey, I need, I need some help right now. I need you to come over and help me do this project. You can ignore them or you can go and help them. And it's the same thing. Your body's saying, Hey, I need some help right now. And do you want to ignore that? Or do you want to answer the call of your body? Who's really your body's talking to you all the time and you have an opportunity to have a conversation with it or you can just walk away and take some aspirin and the challenge is that the more you ignore things the larger they get it i it starts as a whisper and then if you don't listen eventually it's going to come in as a scream sure so someone says i'm going to listen to my headache or neck pain back pain whatever it might be How do they do that? And how can energy medicine yoga help them really tune in to the message that's being delivered? Mm -hmm. So doing that is really a 
is really the practice, right? Is tuning in. So um, having a daily practice where you're doing these different techniques and listening to what's happening. So something very simple that we do every day is called clearing the gates. And it's a, a specific massage on the hands and the feet, which hold a lot of points of the body that again, give you information. And so you start to palpate all of these different points on the hands, on the feet, on the core of the body, on the legs. And there are maps to what these points mean. And initially you don't need to know what, what every point is. You just need to palpate. And if you find pain and you work that over time, that pain may just dissipate the more that you work it and massage it and smooth it and do some of these techniques. And if that pain doesn't resolve, then you go to the maps and you look and you say, oh, interesting. That area of pain falls in either this element, maybe it's in the water element, which is one of the five elements, part of the theory of this, or maybe it's on a particular meridian and you're thinking, okay, so that's the large intestine meridian. So maybe that has something to do with my digestion. And so you start to, uh, to have this relationship with the pain. And if the pain doesn't resolve, then you go deeper and you find out what area that's in. And then you do the next, the next layer, the next step, which is to work with that specific organ or that specific meridian or whatnot to find what it is and to move it out. So when you say palpating the hands and feet, what exactly do you mean? Um, so really, it's it's kind of a medical term. It's palpating. It's just a deep massage, but you're really tuning in. So it's not just that you're um, kind of floating over the area, but you're deeply pressing and you're feeling for any areas of pain and you're moving those out. And you can get really specific. Like we do this massage around the eye socket because there are um, uh, many meridians that that start or end around the eye. And so we work on the bone around the eye socket and your bones aren't smooth. They have little divots and bumps in them. And when you take your time to go really specifically and really slowly through all those areas, you start to feel things that you don't when you're just kind of quickly going over something. And so you're just working, you're literally massaging the body, looking for areas of pain. That's kind of the most general. We're looking for pain. And when we find the pain, that massage is also how we move the pain out of the body. And if that pain doesn't resolve after a certain amount of time, then we look a little bit deeper. Okay, what is going on here um, that this is not moving and not resolving? You're listening to Insights at the Edge, produced by Sounds True. We welcome you to learn more about our collection of more than a thousand learning programs and receive three free gifts just for visiting us. Go to soundstrue.com backslash free. That's soundstrue.com backslash free. And now back to Insights at the Edge. I'm curious, within all of the different energy medicine yoga, on-the-spot kind of techniques that you use, the, and this is a strong language, but kind of the 
I was going to say miracle cure. And I'm not exactly mm -hmm. sure if I mean that, but if there's like, this is the move you make when you're feeling this and oh my God, you will be so surprised about how effective it is. If there are a few things like that, that you do on a regular basis that you can introduce our listeners to. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the ones that, um, that I, I say is sort of the party trick. This is the one that gets people to to see how powerful this work is, is working with digestive issues. So many people in this country have digestive issues on both sides of the spectrum. Either they have constipation or they have diarrhea, right? So those are the sort of two ends of the spectrum. And there are points that you can work on the legs to help that, uh, help the digestive um, tract and, and help those disorders. And it happens very quickly. And if you've ever suffered from any of those disorders, you know how uncomfortable it can be. And that is one that consistently shows up on the miracle board um, for people that have had relief from those symptoms just by doing these simple techniques of, of working these, they're called neurolymphatic reflex points on the thighs. And what that also does is it it deeply increases the flexibility in the body. So we do it, um, we sit on the ground and we do work on the thighs and then we stand up into forward bend and people are consistently two, three, four, five inches deeper into their forward bend. And it gives people uh, uh, an idea of how quickly energy can move in the body. And where exactly um, are these points on the thighs, Lauren? So the outside, if you had pinstripes on the, th on, the, on the thigh or like a seam of your pants, it's the exact side seam on the outside and the exact side seam on the inside. And if you are working with constipation, you're going to massage and, and, and deeply. I mean, so deeply that um, <laughs> it's almost like you want to jump out of your skin. It's incredibly, incredibly painful. Um, and you work from the hips down towards the knee if you su if you suffer from constipation. And it's, you know, kind of makes sense. You're pushing downward, outward, right? And if you um, struggle with a loose stool or diarrhea, you're going to go from the knee up towards the hip on those same points. And um, depending on, you know, how severe what you're working with is, you might do that, you know, three or four or five times. If you do this as part of your daily practice, you're just going to maybe do it a couple of times within working all of these other neurolymphatic points that are on the core of the body. But just doing that one on the thighs, people have such a quick response. And I give that to a lot of travelers, you know, because a lot of people digestive systems go haywire when they travel. And um, I get I get messages all the time. Oh, my God, you, you saved me in Zimbabwe. Thank you. And um, it's it's really powerful. And again, it's so simple. These techniques techniques are incredibly simple. It's almost laughable how easy they are. And we've just never been given the basic instruction manual of how this body, mind, spirit thing that we are works. It's so funny that you called it a party trick. I mean, anybody at this party have constipation or diarrhea? Anyone, <laughs> you know, raise your hand. I have strange parties in my house. There you go. Now, what about energy medicine yoga to help with sleep? Oh yeah, that's a great one. Um, that's uh, yeah. Again, after digestion, sleep. Those are the the three pillars of health in Ayurveda: is uh, sleep, digestion, and creativity. Um, so for sleep, a, a quick one is similar to what we did earlier: putting the hand on the forehead. You can also put your hands, cup your hands over your eye sockets. Um, but there's a technique specifically for insomnia 
called the Brazilian toe technique, which sounds way sexier than it is. Um, but it's essentially holding uh, different toes with your hands. It's a little more complex than I can um, just tell you right here. But what I will tell you is I do write about it in the book and it is um, one of the videos that is coming with this enhanced ebook um, so that you'll be able to, to watch me doing the technique and see how to do it. Um, and I think you probably could also, I, I bet there's a YouTube video, um, from someone in Donna's tribe doing it. If you, if you can't wait that long, if you really struggle with insomnia, you probably want to get this today. So, um, it's called the Brazilian toe technique. And it's, it, again, it's really simple. It's just working with those meridian points on the feet and, um, bringing the energy down and grounding, um, and so that you can sleep and it's, it's wonderful, very powerful. Now, I want to read another quote from the new book, The Energy Medicine Yoga Prescription, and you write, Part of my mission as a teacher is not only to empower people, to encourage people to think and work outside the box, but to help people reclaim pleasure. I wonder if you can talk some about the pleasure that you find and that you think people can find through energy medicine yoga. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the body itself is pleasurable. And I'm a Tantra yogi. And Tantra in the West has really just been equated with sex, which is unfortunate, because it is such a wide and deep and profound practice. And sex is only one element of Tantra. And the reason that it's um, that is acceptable in Tantra yoga and in many other yogic traditions, there's a very ascetic quality and, and sexuality is sort of denied is because nothing is denied in the path to enlightenment in, in Tantra yoga. And the physical body is geared towards pleasure. And I think that's really been lost in our world. It's so overstimulated. Um, and we're, always questing and seeking for all of these pleasurable experiences outside of us and they lead to addictive behaviors and you can see that in the epidemics of addiction in our culture when what we're really just seeking is pleasure is joy is release from the struggles of life but that is all available within us that is what the body is geared for is joy and you see it in little babies they're just they play with their toes for hours and they're laughing and giggling we have that capacity within us and so a lot of these practices bring that feeling back and and that acceptance and that allowance and encouragement to find that feeling sense of pleasure in the body and to kind of go around there's people have a lot of shame around feeling pleasure whether it's sensual or sexual pleasure in the body because we've been told you know it's all about no pain no gain so people think okay working out it's going to be painful it should be painful and then i'm going to get whatever stronger faster six pack abs whatever it is they're they're going for but the truth is, from the yogic perspective, specifically the Ayurvedic perspective, that working the body is about longevity and health. And even if you're a, a, an elite athlete, working towards that 
is about building your resilience and joy. It's not about no pain, no gain. And so we get onto the mat and we explore these poses and these different techniques to um, to circumvent some of those things that have been stopping people from feeling that pleasure and to give them the permission. And then the feeling, a deep stretch is so incredibly pleasurable in the body. And just these techniques of speaking to the body the first time my students feel their meridian pulses and feel the connection of these pulses when we're trying to speak to say the spleen meridian, people light up. It's so incredible to, it's like speaking a foreign language. When you go to another country and you stay there immersed for several months and all of a sudden you get that one day where you're fluent and you can hear and understand everybody. It's that same thing with your body and it is joyful. It is pleasurable. It is a pleasure to be in this body. And I think that's really important for us to come back to and away from this abusing the body to try to get it to look or be a certain way, but to accept it as it is, which is incredible. Feeling the meridian pulses. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever done that. Could you help us feel a meridian pulse in the body? Is that possible here? Uh, yeah, um, I can. Let me let me see what I what I'll do. Um, okay, here's an easy one. So, um, at the the wrist crease on the front of the wrist, where um, there's that line right there at the wrist, there are three points. They're called source points, which bring energy directly to the organ. And so you can either lay one finger across the wrist crease. Or you can feel there. I'm going to tell you where the three points are in the very center of the wrist is a point for we call it circulation sex or the pericardium. That's the uh, protective layer of the heart. And then you'll, you have these um, ropey tendons and on either side outward from those. So right in line with the pinky and right in line with the base of the thumb, you have these other two meridian points which are for the heart and for the lungs. And so if you just lightly rest your fingers on those points, and it's very light touch, you're not doing a death grip there, it's just maybe the weight of a quarter on your hand, and you're just gonna rest there, and you're gonna tune in. Now, what you may first feel is the blood pulse under one of your fingers where the thumb comes in because you've got a very powerful pulse point there. But if you can go slightly away from that, and just tune in underneath your fingers to what you're feeling. You're gonna feel what does feel like a blood pulse. So it's not a dissimilar feeling to that. But what that pulse is, is actually the meridian pulse. It's the energy from the meridian coming up to meet your hand. And it can take a little bit, and I'm doing it myself right now, and I'm starting to feel it right now. And how do you distinguish from the blood pulse and the meridian pulse? 
Well, so on the other, the other ones that you're on the, um, circulation sex and the heart points, there isn't a blood pulse underneath that. So that's quite easy to feel when you're working on a line that also has a blood pulse. It does take a little time for you to distinguish it, but the more that you work with these, the more that you'll feel the difference between those two. And what, when we use these in class, we're usually connecting two points together to um, get a meridian to either release excess energy or to draw more energy into the meridian to charge it up, so to speak. And you can feel, you'll start to feel the difference. The meridian is a little bit more, um, more pointed. It's more, uh, uh, it's a, a bit of a tighter point. The blood pulse can be a little bit more dispersed. Um, and when you've got them both together, you'll really feel, you'll start to feel that difference. But at first it might be a little bit more challenging and it takes a couple, two or three minutes sometimes. And if you've never done this before, if you've never held these meridian points, it can take some time. And if you're depleted, it can also take time. I was working on a woman who had maybe given birth about nine months or so before, and it took almost 20 minutes for me to get her kidney energy to come up and meet me because she was so depleted and exhausted from um, delivering the child and then, you know, uh, having a newborn and all of the changes that that was bringing into her life and, and her body was depleted. And so it can take a lot of time if you're, if you, if you don't have a lot of energy for that meridian pulse to come up. But, um, but when you feel it, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, it really is. It's like learning a different language. It's so exciting. Thank you for sharing that with us. Mm -hmm. Now, when we were talking about how energy medicine yoga can help us connect with the pleasure of the body, you mentioned how many of us have some sense of shame. Maybe it's about our body image or just in relating to ourselves and allowing ourselves to have the kind of pleasure that's possible. And I'm curious, within energy medicine yoga, how you might help us turn towards ourselves just with more self-compassion. I mean, in many ways, the whole practice seems like it's geared towards helping people cultivate self-compassion. At least that's a natural outcome. But is there something specific for someone who's in that situation who has difficulty relating to their body in an accepting way? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so... This is where we kind of veer us slightly off um, into uh, into something that really doesn't seem like traditional yoga, and and that's doing some of these tapping exercises, um, and these come from uh, EFT, emotional freedom technique, um, and different tapping protocols, and I've adapted some of them to be a little bit more simple and a little bit more direct. Um, but one of the things that that I encourage if people are having body image issues. Uh, firstly is to, is to look at diet and nutrition. And, and I write about that extensively because I think our diets really contribute to, um, disempowering us, uh, because mostly we're trying to lose weight instead of nourish ourselves. And when we start to nourish ourselves deeply and in a way that the body wants to be nourished, we move away from that uh, that place of beating ourselves up and we come back into that, that joy and that feeling of, of peace within the body. But that also can be a, a big leap for a lot of people. 
And so there's a couple of different tapping protocols that I do. And um, one of them is just looking yourself in the mirror. And it really is empowering to to do that, just to have that piece added in, is to look yourself in the eye. And just smoothing behind your ears, like you're pushing your hair back behind your ears. And you can do that a few times, smoothing back. And then you can do uh, tapping. It's called the temporal tap, where you tap from the front to the back along that temporal bone, which is really right there, right above that, where you'd be smoothing your hair back. And say to yourself three statements, looking yourself in the eye, in the mirror. And one of the statements has to be absolutely true right now. And so if you're really having a difficult time loving yourself or accepting yourself, you don't want to start with a statement like, I love my body. Because if you know in your heart that that's not true, that's going to resonate. And so you want to start with something that is true. And it can be anything. And if you're really struggling with um, with these self-acceptance, it might be difficult, but you've got to find something that you love about yourself. I love my hair or I have great toes. Like it really could be that. I mean, seems kind of silly, but it's got to be something that's true. And so you start with that true statement and the body takes that in. And then the other two statements kind of piggyback onto that and, um, and, and start to resonate with that sense of truth. So I love my toes and you tap front to back and then I am happy and you tap front to back and I love my body and you tap front to back. And if you start to do that every day, your resistance will come up and you can spend some time journaling about that or writing all of those, you know, it's a lie. I hate my body. I'm ugly. I'm fat. I can't stand it. And then you go back again and you say, I love my toes. I'm joyful today. I love my body. And little by little, things are going to start to shift and, um, and, and that will start to overtake you that feeling of love that is really your inherent nature. And I think it's really important to start to view your body from the inside instead of from the outside. And so what does your body do for you that you love? You get up every day, you're strong, you go for a walk. Like what does your body do for you? Do you love to dance? Does your body support you while you dance? Something that you can find that joy in instead of looking at yourself from the outside and saying, I don't look like X, Y, or Z because that's completely irrelevant to the spark and the joy and the specific you-ness that is important to be in the world. And so if you can come into that place, then you can start to shift those overlays of unlike or dislike that you're still holding on to. Okay, Lauren, just two final questions. Do you see energy medicine yoga as a new field? Hmm. I, I, I think I would say yes. I think I would say yes, because it is, it really is so different from the kind of yoga that we're seeing today um, all over the country and all over the world. It's different enough that I think it could be, uh, it could be considered its own field. And I would love to see it, um, become so widespread that people just know what it is from hearing the name. But I also think that 
Well, it is its own thing. What's beautiful about it is that you can really adapt it to any practice that you're already doing. So you don't need to throw out your hot vinyasa flow or your Iyengar yoga or anything that you're currently doing and then adopt energy medicine yoga. The beauty of it is that you can start to weave these techniques into whatever it is that you're doing right now and and receive all of the benefits and transformation that energy medicine yoga offers within what you're already doing. So I, I think again, it's a both and. It is its own unique practice and it's completely, um, available to align with whatever you're already doing. Okay, and now a final question. At the beginning of our conversation, you talked about the period in your life when energy medicine yoga came online for you and when you were grieving and lying in the dirt, actually, and discovering some of these techniques and how they fit together. And what I'm curious about is how you see our relationship with the dirt with the earth itself as part of energy medicine yoga and how people can contact that right now? Mm. That's a beautiful question. Um, you know, it's so interesting. During the summit um, with Sounds True, Donna Eden was talking about the grid lines of the planet and being similar to the grid of the body, which is the deepest energy system in the body. It's what all of the other energy systems attach onto. It's similar to the bones of the body, if you were looking at it from um, uh, a more Western medicine perspective. And the grid of the earth lies on top of the earth. And those lines are all over the planet, and there are very potent ones that um, that are where a lot of uh, sacred sites are on the planet. And um, the old telegraph system in the United States used to be run on these ley lines. It's just natural energy of the earth that's available, free energy that's available all over the planet. And there is a kind of three or four foot deep layer of active electrons, uh, ionized electrons available all over the surface of the earth. Um, part of the Schumann resonance, which is the, uh, the energetic vibration that we're all attuned to that keep us feeling good and happy. That is a, a vibration on the planet. And so the earth holds these energies on the surface and anytime we can tap into that, we get that free, it's free healing energy. And I, my favorite way to practice yoga is barefoot and if I can, naked on the naked earth. And you can feel that energy feeding you because that is how we draw energy into the body. We have a point on the bottom of the foot that draws up this earth energy. And so, it's available at all times. And a lot of the work that I do now more and more is about helping to heal ourselves and helping to heal the planet with this, with this energy, with these practices and techniques. So when I teach at Hollyhock, which is such a powerful place on the earth, and when I teach in Iceland, it's about connecting with these areas of potent energy on the earth and aligning our energies 
with those energies so that we have this mutually beneficial healing. And we both need that so much. Both ourselves as individuals need to be healed. And the planet, again, is crying out in pain to be healed. And so when we start to do these practices together in this symbiotic relationship, um, the healing is, is so beautiful and so powerful. And right now it is so, so necessary and important. And we need to take a page from, you know, the native traditions all over the planet who know how to work with this earth energy and who teach us how to work with this earth energy. Again, if we would just tune in and listen. And so that's one of the things that I'm trying to do and that I work with. And that is, the most exciting part for me of energy medicine yoga. Now, I doubt that people will rush outside naked, but they could <laughs> probably rush outside barefoot. Yes. And if I were barefoot on the ground, these points at the bottom of my feet that you referred to, what would I do that would be of benefit, not just to me, but to the earth? So a lot of that is about your intention. And... Um, you, we, we feed in as well as we take out. And so if you're sending your love into the earth and you can do that by simply by walking barefoot, it, again, it's one of those things that, um, you know, the, the body awakens and the earth awakens to you and just feeding that energy through you into the earth. But we can also, we do practices of, uh, of taking care of the earth. And um, I love Martin Prechtel. He says he's always throwing jades into bodies of water because that is what the gods want. And so building little altars everywhere. You know, every time I go hiking in the woods, I stop somewhere and I, I put a few rocks and twigs and sticks together and put a, make a little design in the earth. Or I'll take a rock and I'll write on another rock. I'll write love or joy. And these things might seem simple and kind of silly and maybe irrelevant. But the truth is, if we start to treat the earth with reverence in small ways, then we can start to learn how to treat the earth with reverence in larger ways. And our actions have huge effects and small effects that build up together. And so when we do ritual together in larger groups, like what, like I'm talking about taking these groups to these other, these places, and we call in these elements and we work with them and we give this reverence and this honor and, and uh, trust that the earth knows the earth has a consciousness and we speak to that consciousness and that starts to change things. And there's study after study, you know, if you speak to your plants, they thrive and they bloom. That is true. The world knows what we're doing and we have to raise our, we have to up our game here. We've got to stop destroying the planet. And we start doing that with small steps in our own small environments. And if you're going barefoot on the earth, then you're going to maybe stop spraying Roundup on the earth because you don't want that to go into your bare feet. And right there, you've already started to heal your small area of the earth. And then maybe you're going to get a beehive and then you're going to start to see how your inclusion of your sacred practice to the earth starts to feed back and forth and you start to heal each other. I've been speaking with Lauren Walker. She's the author of the book, Energy Medicine Yoga, 
amplify the healing power of your yoga practice, and also a new book called The Energy Medicine Yoga Prescription. Lauren, thank you for your clarity and always your bravery. You're such a vulnerable truth teller. I always love talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tammy. It's been a pleasure. Soundstrue.com, many voices, one journey.